This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. I want to jump right into the word this uh, this morning, and uh, I believe in my heart that uh, God has a word for us in this season, and uh, uh, we just started our series in the book of Matthew, or the gospel according to Matthew. Um, we've been, we've been uh, studying some, uh, some hard-hitting subjects, and as we get into, the, into this book, uh, there, are some, there are things that we would encounter in these books that are going to be life-changing, transforming. It's going to bend our thinking. It's going to change our thinking. There are moments that we're going to stop, ponder, think. Uh, there, were th- there are things that we're going to relearn. Uh, I've been doing that in my study of this book. And I believe in my heart that if we are diligently submissive to this teaching of the word, that we will also be in tune or ready ourselves to receive from God what he has in store for us as a church. Uh, We always talk about how we're a spirit-led church, but we're also a Bible-based church. And what that means is we want to study the word for what it is, Uh, not for it to mean anything it wants to mean or not taking just passages of scripture and and, and explaining it here and there, but uh, the thorough study of scripture verse by verse uh, helps us grow in our walk with Christ. Uh, I want to title my message, this is part three of our series, and I want to title my message this morning, A Blaring Warning, A Blaring Warning. Last week, we spoke about worship, and uh, is your worship phony, or is it, uh, is it actually genuine? Uh, that's something that we spoke about, and if you missed that message, I want to I tell you, go back and listen to it on YouTube, because I believe that it could be life-changing to you. Uh, at an intersection, the green light changes to yellow. At a theater, when you're ready to watch a movie, the house lights start to dim, and as soon as it starts to dim you know that the movie is about to begin. At the airport terminal, you know, the boarding call comes over the intercom, and you know that you better get, get yourself ready, you better grab that coffee, and uh, you better grab those, those, the food and all the luggage that you have, the kids, and get ready to board. At a railroad crossing, the lights begin to flash, and those bars start lowering, and you know that a train is coming. Or it could be the tornado siren, that screams in the distance that warns you that there is inclement weather approaching. In the airplane, it's a seatbelt sign that comes on that tells you that you can't walk around. I know that's the moment that everybody wants to use a restroom. You know that. But you know that as soon as that that seatbelt sign comes on, the pilot's going to be on that intercom in just a few minutes to tell you to take your seats. What do each of these scenarios have in common? right? They are signs or warnings that we need to prepare ourselves for what is about to happen. There is an event that is about to happen that could potentially change the course of whatever you're about to do. And today we're about to hear about this blaring warning that came through a voice in the wilderness and from one of the most unexpected of places. People were waiting for it, but it came from a very unexpected place, And the warning was simple, prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare your hearts for the Lord. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, and uh, we're going to start our study in Matthew chapter 3 today. Uh, In verse number 1, the Bible says this, 
In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and leather belt around his waist and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able, to, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Verse 10, even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. Pray with me, church. Father, would you speak to us through this word this morning? Holy Spirit, I pray that uh, you will enable us to understand this word, and I pray that, that, that you will give us the ability to, uh, to not be distracted, but to focus in on the words that are being spoken today. And I pray that your word will come in power and in might. Use me as a vessel to bring this word, and I pray that hearts will be receptive, that hearts will be open, ears will be open, and Father, we will receive your word today. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. When we study the Bible, uh, especially in the Old Testament, the way God spoke to the people of God, uh, it could be the Jewish people, it could be people that, uh, that, that were the remnants, it doesn't matter, God spoke always through a prophetic voice. There was prophecy and prophets that God raised to speak to his people. The prophetic voice was very constant, it was consistent, it was loud, it was blaring. The prophetic voice always came not just as judgment, but as encouragement. The prophetic voice often came as a voice that, that encouraged people, that brought people out of the, the rut they were in, that gave them strength, that gave them hope for the future, that showed them that God is still on the throne. It was back in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 18 that one of the first prophetic voices we hear where the Bible says this, I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It was one of those first prophetic voices and God promised a prophet just like Moses in the form of Jesus who would come in the New Testament to take the law out of the scene and stand instead of the law. But I wanna draw some context to our study this morning because between the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, 
where God speaks for the very last time. Malachi was a prophet. God speaks to him for the very last time. And the voice of God that comes through John the Baptist in the passage that we just read, there is a huge gap of four centuries. There are 400 years of a gap between these two moments. These two landmark moments. A moment that was signified by the, cont the continuity, the continuous flow of the voice of God. And like I said, oftentimes that voice came as judgment, as reminders, as telling people to repent and turn from their evil ways and turn back to God. And in the book of Malachi, we see that coming to a full stop. 400 years of spiritual famine happens. Why? simply because people were not listening to God. People were turning a deaf ear to God. And no matter how much God spoke to them, no matter how many prophets God raised, there was always a group of people that found a reason to dismiss God and tune God out and, and throw God, God out from the culture. I pray that we as a culture will never come to a point where God is silent. Cultures always drive themselves to the point where they always place other things above God to where God is diminished. We hear more things than we want to hear God. And the voice of God just drowns itself out. But here's what I want you to hear. This silence was prophesied over 336 years before the 400 years even happened. Okay, this moment, altogether 736 years before, by this prophet called Prophet Amos. Way before Malachi, way before Nehemiah and Ezra and Esther and Daniel and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, Hosea and even Jonah, the word of the Lord came through this prophet called Amos. In chapter number eight and verse 11 we read, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, where I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. I don't know how many of us go through seasons in life where you can actually listen to that verse and say, that's me. There are times that I go through in my life where I just can't hear God. There are spiritual dry seasons that you and I go through. I don't know if that's you, but that's me. There are seasons that I walk away from the Lord, that I'm distant from the Lord, that I've moved away from God, that I've strolled away, that God looks at me and says, man, you're distant, you're far, you probably can't hear me because there are so many things drowning my voice. But right before this silent period begins, God uses Malachi to talk about the warning sign, this blaring warning sign that we're about to talk about. And in Malachi 3 and verse 1, the Bible says this, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenants in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Isaiah prophesies about this too. Like all the gospels links John the Baptist with Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 40 and verse 3. Again, I'm giving you a backdrop, so just listen carefully. In verse number 3, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain, sh mountain hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of God shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
And immediately after, after, uh, after Malachi prophesies that, there is a 400-year silence that happens. And suddenly, John the Baptist is introduced to the scene, and we hear the audible voice of God again. I want to clarify something. I'm not saying that God disappeared. I'm not saying that God died. I'm not saying that God was not in the picture, because obviously there were different angelic visitations that we see in the Bible. There was an angel that came and visited Joseph. There's an angel that came and visited with Elizabeth, John the Baptist's uh, Elizabeth. There's, a, there's an angel that came and visited with John the Baptist's father, Zechariah. So there are different angelic visitations that we see. And the word of the Lord came through certain angelic visitations to people, direct words from God. So God wasn't out of the picture. It was just a prophetic voice was not heard. And the people of Israel relied so much on the prophetic voice of God that they were like, man, what is God doing? Where is he gone? But God was slowly training their hearts and training their minds to understand that they don't need prophets to, for God to speak to them. God was raising them and slowly nurturing them and training them for a personal encounter where they can start having relationship, where they can start hearing God themselves. I want you to listen very closely. So in Matthew chapter one, we're introduced to this man called John the Baptist. And in verse number one, the Bible says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now this is beautiful because John the Baptist doesn't go to downtown Judea and, and pop up shop and say, man, this is high traffic area. Man, all the coffee shops are here. All the cool places are here. All the nightclubs are here. People are gonna come here all, all the time. We're, we're, this is gonna be bustling. This is the place to start a church. Come on, somebody, right? He did not do those statistics. He said, I'm gonna go to a place that nobody expects me to be at. And the Bible says that he went to the Judean wilderness. It wasn't a convenient place to meet people. It was the wilderness. Come on, people were willing. The people that actually came to listen to him were willing to actually pack lunch boxes. They were willing to, to, to actually take their families. They were traveling. They were walking. They were going. They were traveling from places to come and hear the gospel. Come on, am I talking to somebody? And, and you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of Commission Church. We have people coming in from Forney. Come on. Oh, come on. I want to hear all your voice. We have people coming from White Settlement. Jobin doesn't make any noise, so, so we're not going to hear him go, whew. Man, that's one hour away, but he does. We have, we have students, okay? Come, they drive paying this gas money. They, they, they pay their gas money, and they drive all the way from Denton to come to service here in Plano. Oh. We have people from Fate. We have people from all over the place. Irving from Plano. <laughs> Murphy, Wiley, not a big deal. Garland, that's not too far, but you get the point, right? It reminds me, but it's, it's amazing where the presence of God is. People will not hesitate to come into it. And I thank God because we give importance to God's presence in this house of God. Amen? We don't shy away from that. We don't neglect that. We don't preach a seeker-sensitive message. Oh, people are going to get hurt if I preach on that topic. I don't, do, I don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to prepare a message. I got to make sure so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so so -so doesn't get offended. I just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me, and if it offends people, it offends people. Sorry. 
But here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Where the presence of God is, and where the word of God is spoken in truth, and where the thirst for God is, people will automatically see that there is a genuine presence of God in those places. And I'm talking about moving temples of God in you and me. When you go to your workplaces, I pray that you will take the presence of God to your workplaces and people that don't usually talk and people that usually don't even share their feelings will come up to you and they will sense the presence of God in you and they will knock on your door and say, can you pray for me? There's a joy that's inside of you that I don't have. Can you share that with me? Come on, am I talking to somebody today? Hmm. And verse number two, the Bible says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His message was simple. It wasn't a, oh man, I got to preach a nice, nice message, a sugar-coated message, a message that, like I said earlier, message that people, a seeker-sensitive message, right? He didn't have donuts and coffee sitting out there saying, come on in, get some donuts, get some coffee. We have donuts and coffee. I'm talking about us. He didn't have a gift for newcomers. If you're new here, make sure you scan the QR code. Make sure you grab your gift on the way out. Come on, am I talking to somebody? He wasn't a come as you are. We love you. Love God, love people. Hashtag no. It was simple. Okay, it was simple. It was blunt. Y'all sinners. That's what it was. Y'all sinners. Repent. (laughs) Come back to God. Y'all have not been hearing God. We need you to tune your ears out from the world and listen to God. It was simple. It was honest. It was to the point. It was cutthroat. Why repent? He said, because of eternity. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is in the place. And where Jesus is, there is no place for anything else to reign. Come on, somebody. It's a simple word. It's a simple message. The, The word repent there's a biblical commentator who, who said that one of the worst translations of the Greek word uh, is, is repent, the English language saying repent, because the original word, it actually says to change one's thinking. That's what it says, to change one's thinking or to change one's mind. It begins with the, the mind. It begins with the thinking. And God looks, and and Jerry was sharing this right here, and he was saying, man, we are called. God has given us a mandate to go into the world and to share the good news. We shouldn't shy away from that. We talked about this last Sunday. Like, we have been given the power and authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Like, if John the Baptist had that authority, God is looking at so many of us and saying, do not shy away. God has given you the authority to speak over people. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. We are called to be bold in our witness. We're called to introduce Jesus to the world. Know that you're significant. It's Charles Stanley who says this, his voice leads us not into timid discipleship, but into bold witness. God's voice does not lead us into timid discipleship where it's all about us and our church and our group and our family and our lives and our thing and our, our kids and, and how we live. Our, no, 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 that's timid discipleship. But bold witness is standing up, getting up and saying, wherever God has placed me, I have a duty, I have a job, I have a task at hand. And that task is to let people know that there is a savior coming. There is a savior of it. There is hope. Hope for the world, and no matter what people are going through, timid discipleship is sitting down, bold discipleship is getting up and saying, I gotta let the people know that Jesus is on the throne. Because here's the thing we speak boldly 
of what we believe deeply. It's like restaurants, man. We, we go to a restaurant. We love the food. What do we do the next week? We tell everybody about that restaurant. We're texting everybody. Hey, bro, have you been fried chicken? So good. Come on. I'm gonna like, best Thai food ever. You're tweeting about it. You're sharing about it. You're Instagramming about it. Don't matter. You're telling. But why? Because you believe in it. Like it's your own. That's how passionate some people are about food. I'm talking about myself too. Right? And that's what passion does. That's what belief does. What you believe in deeply, you speak boldly about. You don't shy away from those things. And I'm challenging somebody today. If you are having a hard time witnessing, if you're having a hard time being bold, go into the presence of God and say, God, there's something in me that does not allow me to share you as much as I would want to. I want to lay my inhibitions aside because you have called me to be your witness in all of Judea and all of Samaria and all of the ends of the world. Come on, somebody. Can I clarify something? The Bible doesn't say go and witness about me. The Bible says, be my witnesses. So if you're sitting there saying, I don't know the Bible too well, Pastor Ashish. I don't know all these stories that you know. That's why I'm in church, Pastor. That's not what Jesus is saying. He doesn't say witness about me. He doesn't say go and tell them all the stories that you've learned. No, no, no. Go and preach to them. That's not what he's saying. What I'm doing is not important. He's saying, go and be me. (laughs) That's all he's saying. He's go and be witnesses. Like when people stand there and see, they should see Christ resonate through you, shine through you. They should ask questions to you as to what exactly, let, let, let that come through. I, I digress, but I got to go on. Verse four, now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. We always talk about this. The very first play that I ever was in, I was in a Bible play at school and I... I don't know how I was chosen, but I was John the Baptist. I sure was. I didn't have a beard back then, but I had a fake beard that I had to go and rent from a, a, a theater store, and uh, there, was a, there was a garment that they gave me, and uh, it was hardly covering any parts of my body, and I had to wear basketball shorts under to kind of to make sure that I was covered decently. And, uh, and, and I remember standing up there, and it was, it was one of the first performances that I ever did, and I was, I was so afraid, I was so scared, but it was one of the most entertaining and one of the most amazing experiences of my entire life, to be in the shoes of this man who actually proclaimed the coming of Jesus Christ. This dude wore camel hair, he, he, he ate locusts, he ate bugs, right, protein, high protein, and wild honey. Like, this, this doesn't resonate like luxury clothing. It doesn't tell me or it doesn't scream luxury clothing by any means. It's camel's hair, not even camel's skin. It's not leather. We're, not, that's what we're, we're talking about camel's hair. Okay, I don't know how many of you all have ever sat on a camel before. If you haven't, let that not be a desire of yours because it's not a pleasurable experience. I rode on a camel once and it stunk. It was bad. It was so, so bad. It was just not bad. It was just uncomfortable. Okay? It was super uncomfortable. That skin, that, that hair was not, you know, sheep's wool. It wasn't, it wasn't comfortable by any means. It wasn't, y'all. This was not normal. What he was dressed in, what he was eating, he was, it was, but the Bible screams to me and it says, God can use different. 
Am I talking, like God can use different. You don't need to be, you know, just fitting a status quo and saying, oh, if you're this, God can use you. And if you're this and this and this and this, God, I'm sorry, but you don't fit in that. No, God can use different. You know how I know? Luke 3 tells me that. The same account of, of John the Baptist, the Bible says this, now the 15th year, Luke 3, 1, now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius, Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea. Now listen to this, this is important. Names, but it's important. I hate reading names, but I'm gonna read it right now. Pontius Pilate was governor of Judah. Herod was tetrarch of Galilee. His brother, Philip, was a tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis. And Lysanias was a tetrarch of Abilene. In the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Now, for, for most of y'all, y'all just sat there like I sat there the first time I read this, this word, and God was like, read it again. I was like, okay, okay, Lord, I hate these, he, I hate these names, but we're going to read it again. Aturia, Trachonitis, Lyons, Abilene, Annas, Goyaphus, nothing, God. And the more and more I read this, and the more and more I studied it, tetrach is from the two Greek words tetra, which means four, and arcane, which means to rule. So there were these high these four highest ranking rulers in all of the country. So this verse begins with the important people of the time. Okay, you listening? The important people of the time, Tiberius, Pilate, Herod, and Philip. If Luke were writing today, he might similarly list Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Greg Abbott or the alike. One of the congressmen or one of the senators but Luke used these important folk to let us know that the important happening in the world back then had absolutely nothing to do with the important people of that time. There was a Caesar, there was a Pilate, there was four govern governors, there were two high priests, but the word of the Lord came to a wild-eyed, locust-eating man with a scraggly beard and dressed in what one might describe as fur coming off a road kill. God can use different. Amen. I'm talking to some of y'all there that are wanting, that God's wanting to be life group leaders today. She's like, I'm different. Yeah, that's, that's, that's who God wants. I've never done this before. Neither had John the Baptist. That was his cousin. Like, that was Jesus' cousin. And Jesus, he was like, man, I'm about to call this dude God. I'm about to call, tell people to prepare the way for my cousin. Like, this is weird. But God said, man, this is the truth. This is the word. Like, some people, you think that you can't, you don't have it together. That, that was me. That was me. When I first started my ministry, I started my ministry very young. I wasn't the, the, the person that you would look at and say, this guy is going to preach. My mom and dad are here. They, they, they know what I'm talking about. I had a stammer when I was growing up. I couldn't complete one sentence without stammering my way through that sentence. I wasn't the classic example of what a preacher should be like. In all of those shortcomings and in all of that, 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 that feeling that I couldn't achieve things in my life, I couldn't get to where I wanted in life, I couldn't be a preacher, I couldn't be a pastor, I couldn't proclaim the good news, God always looked at me and said, in your shortcoming and in your indifference, God is able to do something powerful and something mighty. God healed me of my stammer. God did some amazing things in my life that was mind-blowing. And, and if he can do that to me, I want to remind somebody, God can use different. Amen. That's good. Hmm. Verse 5, 
Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about Jordan was going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sin. There had to be reason as to why John was taken seriously, y'all. There has to be. Like, was it his sparkling personality? Unlikely. He may have been a great guy. I'm not discounting that by any means. We don't know. Was it because of his amazing British accent? No, it wasn't. Was it because of his charming GQ looks? Probably wasn't. Was it because of his designer clothes that he was? He was never featured on Preachers and Sneakers. Trust me, he wasn't. Okay, he did not make it. No, all of these things would have automatically disqualified. In fact, the Bible says that those who came to hear his message believed him, repented, and were baptized by him. And, and my question is why? Why did people take this man so seriously? You want to know why? Favor, grace, and the calling that God has on people that is unmatched and unparalleled. If God has called you and if God has blessed you and if God has put a word on you and God has called you for a season, remember that nobody and nothing can take away the blessing that God has put on your life. Look at Jesus' evaluation of John's life. Truly I say to you in Matthew 11, 11, he says, among those born of women, there has not arisen another one greater than John the Baptist. That you would call favor and grace of God. Can I tell you something? When you have favor, you have unexplained boldness. If you're, if you're suffering from boldness, to be witnesses, go into the presence of God and ask for favor. Say, God, I need your favor today when I go to work. I need your favor when I go to the store today. I need your favor when I talk to people today. I need your favor when I speak to my friend today. There's somebody that I need to call, that I need to have a conversation with. There's somebody I'm praying for. God, would you give me favor today? When you have favor upon you, there is this untold, unspeakable boldness that comes upon the people of God. Verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Y'all, he was, he was cutthroat to the point. It's kind of astounding. We talked about this last week, like the, the high priests and the people, the religious people of that day. These dudes, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were leaders of the church. These were the spiritually sound, so to speak. They weren't excited about John's message. In fact, they were actually upset that people were going to him and that he was baptizing them because this was something that they never heard of. Like, you got to understand, these church leaders trusted and they believed in circumcision. And what that meant was they trusted and believed in the law, which said you must do and do and do and do and do and do until you die. And John the Baptist was like, you don't have to do and do and do, you just have to be. The radical message of grace that said, stop doing, just be in God's presence, just accept Jesus, just come into the way of the Lord, straighten your paths, just do that, and God will take, that was his message. And verse 8, the Bible says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, He's talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees who were very religious, but also very distant from God. Okay, he's talking to these spiritually elite, so to speak. And I'm talking to many people sitting here. Many of us can probably, you know, easily claim to be religious, but if we're not bearing the fruits of repentance, I'm telling you, we're far and distant from God as well. That's what he's saying. He's saying bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance should lead you to bearing fruits. It should be the sign. 
Can I remind somebody today, God doesn't want lip service. These people had all religion, but zero spiritual reality. Consciousness of God. There's no delineating from the fact that the, the root determines the fruit. Lip service does not bring good fruit, church. Just saying that I'm Christian and just, just for the sake of it is not, that's, no. If you have truly gone through a transformation through repentance, it should show in your life. It should show in your life. Your attitude to God should be altered. Your relationship with other people should be altered. I need to see that in how you communicate with your children and your spouse and your coworkers and your friends. Your ethics will be altered. Your boss at work will see that in you. Your coworkers will see that in you. Your speech will be altered. The way you speak, the way you talk, the way you treat other people, the way you communicate. Come on, I'm not talking to somebody. The way you lift people or put people down, that would change, that would transform itself. Your behavior will be altered. See, this is important, although repentance begins in your mind, man, it doesn't end there. It needs to show in your life is what John is saying. And if it's the religious spirit that takes over sometimes, you better ask the Holy Spirit to reveal anything that needs to change inside of your heart. Can I park here for just a minute? I need to talk to somebody. See, th this was a problem with the Pharisees and it's still a problem with the church today. He's talking about us when we look down our spiritual noses at someone who's not like us. In other words, they're not Christians and they don't look just right. They're sinners and they lead lifestyles that are contrary to biblical standards. The view of maybe you know something about them that disgusts you and, and you figure they're beneath you, they're not worth your time. Or maybe they just don't dress quite right or wear the right hair or, or according to your standards. Or maybe, just maybe they're a different race. Prejudice. The Pharisees were guilty of this and they might not, and I want to remind somebody today, just like John the Baptist was reminding them, man, they might not be worth your time, but they're worth God's time. So he says in verse 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He says, repentance bears fruit. There's a deep connection between your repentance and your fruit. I'm going to leave four things with you. Is that cool? Four things. In verse 9, he says this, and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. The number one thing the four fruits of repentance or the four things that you will see when you repent is one, you will see humility. For a true repentant person, when you turn to Jesus, turn away from the world and turn to Jesus, there will be unexplainable humility in your life. Here we're reminded, man, he's, he's basically saying, man, you're, you're boasting of Abraham being your forefather and you're boasting of being in the lineage and all of that stuff, man. The Pharisees and Sadducees were quick to point out their Jewish family history as their proof of their closeness to God. 
Today, you see that similar display, man. You ask people, man, if they're Christian, they respond, yeah, man. Oh, my family, they're all Methodists, or they're all Lutheran, or we were Baptists, or Catholic, and all right, great, good for you. Or I hear the other, I'm fifth generational Pentecostal. Praise be to God. Thank you, Jesus. I am blessed. Calm down. Calm down. Our parents don't believe for us. Our parents or our family doesn't believe for us. Each one of us should choose to believe for ourselves. The first fruit of repentance is humility. In Matthew 3, 9, this is what the Passion Translation says. It says, don't presume that you can get away with merely saying to yourselves, but we're Abraham's descendants. For I tell you, God can awaken these stones to become sons of Abraham. Don't rely on family history or mom's prayers and dad's prayers. That's not what, what gives you credibility and your right standing with God. It's you going into the presence of God, praying. It's you having a relationship with God. It is your repentance. A moment of true repentance will take away pride and will replace it with humility. second thing is this in verse number 10 the Bible says and now the axe is laid to the root of the trees every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and it's thrown into the fire the second point is this when you are true repentant when you are true when you go through true repentance the second thing that happens is this you understand the urgency you understand the urgency the Bible says the axe has been sharpened God was about to cut down some trees. You see, often in our lives we feel like sins we commit are individually small to be excused. It's like, oh, we haven't committed an axe murder. It's not like we went around shooting people. Like, what is our sin compared to his sin or her sin? Thank God I'm not her or him. Our sins are not anything major. We can get around them for another day. But this point, it, 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 it leads us to that second fruit, which is urgency. We come to the point of repentance. We realize that it doesn't matter what sin it is. It's not excusable. We recognize, though we might be able to argue that in our individual sins are small, the accumulated weight of every small sin puts us in one of the most dangerous situations where we're not humble to come to repentance. And God is looking at you and me and says, with repentance comes this awareness of the seriousness of our sins and the desire that flows from them to get this horrible problem of sin taken care of right now. It's not it's small. It can be dealt with later. It's a, no, 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 this has to be taken care of right now. So it's not just repent, but he said, turn away from your sins. It's just not repentance. It's just not, Lord, my bad, but it's committing and saying, I'm not going to do that ever again. I'm going to commit myself to not do that ever again. So humility, understanding the urgency. And the third thing in verse 10, the last part of verse 10, every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Good fruit. A repentant life yields good. Someone say good fruit. The third point is this, it's a changed life. A repentant life yields to a changed life. Do I need to stress that relationship is bigger than religion? We always talk about this. Like you would think, right? 
We would think that if we had an encounter with the most powerful being in the universe that we would walk away different people, but sadly, there are so many that often claim to know God, yet their lives are unchanged. Like unaltered lives. And we're reminded in this last part of verse 10 of, a, of the third fruit, which is repentance, which is change. And we're guilty of that church. The American church is guilty of that. For too long, we presume that if we can be a Christ, that we can be a Christian even with absolutely no evidence of Christ in our lives. Why? Because going to church on Sunday qualifies us. Bringing our kids to Sunday school or kids' church qualifies us. The Bible doesn't talk or know nothing about a faith that does not lead to a changed life, y'all. Jesus was straightforward. He said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. He, and he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. It's straightforward as straightforward can be. James famously wrote, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Faith without works is dead. And the essential part of a changed, genuine, repentant heart is that it leads to a changed life. Someone say changed life. So three things that it leads to, repentance leads to humility, it leads to understanding the urgency, and third one is changed life. And the fourth thing is this, it says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals are not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Man, there's a lot said in this verse, but I want to assert this one phrase, mightier than I. What does that tell me? It tells me this, that when I turn and I repent and I change my ways, the final fruit of repentance is full dependence on Jesus. And saying Jesus is supreme, Jesus is powerful. It's saying I messed up and then I tried to run things on my own and I failed. Recognizing that in our repentance that we have fallen short and we admit that our sin has made us fall short. Too many of us are trying to experience victory in Jesus, but we're trying to experience that via our own power, our own smarts, our own insight. I'm telling you, we'll fail if we continue to do that in our own power. And today, God is calling us, church. Would you stand up to your feet with me? Those four fruits are this, humility, understanding the urgency, life change, and being fully dependent on God. And he finishes this passage beautifully. The next verse tells us about the consequence of not turning away from sin and turning to God. He says his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barn, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. If you haven't listened to anything else that I've said, I want you to listen to this church doesn't matter who you are, listen up. This is one of the most strongest things I will tell you today. And the gospel is incomplete without this. There's a place called hell. And you don't want to go there. Would you allow me to be your pastor for a minute and just be honest with you? Our church culture has drifted far away from this truth where repentance has become a bad word. Like, I, I don't understand it. I just don't. 
I won't apologize for it because the Bible says repent. He says the kingdom of heaven is near. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from that stuff that you have that's taking you away from hearing the voice of God. I don't want there to be another 400 years of silence, y'all. And I'm talking about your individual lives where we don't hear the voice of God. And and, and I've said this so many times and I'm going to say this again. If you don't hear God, it's not because God has walked away from you. It's probably because you have walked far away from God where he's not able to talk to you. It's important to call a spade a spade. There's a place called hell and you don't want to go there, but that's where you're going to end if you don't realize that you have sinned, that you're a sinner and you need to change and you need the grace of Jesus Christ. That's the most nicest thing that I can tell you this week going into wherever. And if you came here, you know, wanting a pep talk, I'm sorry that I didn't give that to you. I gave you the truth of the word of God. And this was scandalous to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious elite. This was scandalous. What? Are you crazy? Because you only baptized the heathens and the people that were far away from God, the pagans. And John was asking everybody to get baptized and to repent. He says Jesus will baptize those who believe with the Holy Spirit and those who don't believe, he will baptize with fire. The judgment will come. And that's a clear distinction. you filled in the blanks of your note-taking journal that y'all have done, I want you to listen up for a moment because what I say is going to be more important. See, one of the biggest mistakes we can make in listening to this message is that you would think that it applies to somebody else and not you. You know how I know? Because that was me. I would come in on Sundays and if pastor preached any message that was close to salvation or Jesus, accept Jesus in your heart, I'm like, nah, that's not me. I've done that already. Youth camp, 1997. <laughs> nope. I don't do that again. One of the biggest mistakes we can make in listening to a message like this is you saying, man, that's probably for that dude that pastor's preaching. I, I, I actually saw I saw, I, I saw what he posted. You're probably going to say, I, I don't need to hear this, but I know someone who does, and I hope they got here this morning. Some of y'all are like, actually, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Some of you are like nudging your husband and your wife. But that, my friends, was the attitude of the Pharisees. That was a pharisaical spirit right there and and God didn't let them get away with that he's and he's surely not going to let you or me get away with it now so I just want to take a moment for some silent reflection some time for us to invite the Holy Spirit to actually reveal something that we need to be truly repentant of this morning am I talking to somebody and I'm gonna, I'm gonna join this right now. I'm gonna pray for us in a few minutes, but don't let, get, don't let pride get in the way of what God wants to do in this place. Let him show you and, and give it to him. Ask for forgiveness and his purifying love to cleanse you through and through. And, 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 and I know that when you make the dedication and submission to God, God can do something amazing and phenomenal in your life. A heart of submission.
I'm gonna pray for you guys. Just take a few minutes. Just take a few minutes all over this place. Just take a few minutes all over this place. Just take a minute to just reflect on this message and ask God to move in your hearts. If there's something that you need to confess, man, just confess it to the Lord. For some of us, it could be a, an addiction that we're struggling with. For some of us, it could be a, a bad habit that you're struggling with. For some of us, it could be just mannerisms. It could be character. It could be, man, the way you talk to somebody, the way you treat somebody. For some of us, it's racial reconciliation. I feel like the Holy Spirit is in this place. I do. And when the Spirit of the Lord is, the Bible says there is freedom. And I want to remind somebody, stop being tied up. Stop being guilty. Stop being, you know, just this weight of guilt upon your shoulders. This, this, this weight of not knowing what's wrong and this, this weight of, man, I can't hear from God. I don't feel God that close. Possibly, just possibly, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect and that's probably because I haven't come to the presence of God with true repentance. Because here's the thing, when you come into the presence of God with true repentance, you will turn around and go a different person. I still remember when I was in school, I think it was high school, I was caught cheating in an exam. I've, I've said this here before, I was caught cheating in an exam. I didn't study and I cheated in an exam and my teacher called my dad in. It was so embarrassing for me because I, I got an F in that class and it was, I thought I would fail the whole class, but there was something that I got whooped by my dad. My dad's here. He, he whooped the daylights out of me. I still remember that. Ooh. It was a combination of the belt. I don't remember. I, I blacked out. I, I don't know what it was. I deserved it too. It was bad. But I still remember telling my dad something on that day. I said, Dad, know this. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not proud of what I did. But know this, that I would never do it again. That you would never have to be in this situation ever again. See, that's what true repentance is. It's not, and, and I haven't. That's, that's what true, true repentance is. Standing at the point where you can look at God and say, I messed up. But just not making that admission turning around and saying, I'm a new person, I would never do that again. That commitment to the Lord, that's what repentance is. And I pray that some of us can come to that point. I'm not gonna make people lift hands here. I'm not, I'm not embarrassing anybody. That's not the point of this message. It's not any of that sort. We're gonna be available for prayer at the back. I'm, I'm gonna pray and dismiss in just a few minutes. I'm gonna pray over you. And I know this is a solemn moment, but I want to give you one minute just to reflect. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come back on. And they're going to just continue worshiping. I'm going to pray. I'm going to dismiss. And you guys can leave if you want to, if you want to stay back. If you want to worship for some time in the sanctuary, you're welcome to do that as well. For those of you who could not take communion here with us when we had corporate communion, we're going to have somebody back there. Best Matthew is actually going to be back there serving communion. And if you want to partake in communion, go back there. And it might be a group of people that take communion together. And there's going to be a prayer team back there as well. But hey, we're just going to take a few moments and I want you to do a self-reflection. I just want you to just ask God for strength. 
And if that's you, and just lifting your hands and worshiping Jesus, if that's you coming to the altar, if that's you just submitting yourselves, a demonstrative act of faith, that, let that be it. But I want you to submit to the Lord today and, and just commit to him. And I want you to take a few moments just in the quiet as the music plays in the background. Just take a minute. Church, the blaring warning is this, prepare the way. Everything in your way that doesn't allow Jesus to walk right through, prepare the way. For the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God will not become a reality in your marriage, in your life, in your spiritual walk. There are things in your way that is not allowing God to walk right through. Allow him to walk, prepare the way. Father, I thank you so much for this beautiful day, God. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your might. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you because you are on the throne. You are exalted. You are lifted up. And today I pray that we will be called to be men and women that prepare the way, prepare the way, prepare the way. Make a path. Make a path. Open up the doors, God. I pray that you will reign and nothing will take your place. We want to give you praise. We want to give you glory. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives and all that you're going to do. I pray for this week, God, as people take this word back home. I pray, God, that we will be truly repentant for everything in our lives. The things that we're ashamed of, the things that drag us down, the things that pull us back. I pray that we will live in the truth and that truth will set us free. And I pray because the Spirit of the Lord is here, there is freedom in this place, God. And I pray that you will reveal yourself in spirit and in truth in this place. And you will reveal yourself in might today. We thank you. We praise you. We want to give you glory. We want to give you honor. We want to give you praise. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.